I'd love it if you turn in your Bibles to John's Gospel in chapter 2. My, my name's Carl. If you, some of you don't know who I am, I'm Carl. Uh, John chapter 2. And we're going we're gonna to spend some time reading here and, and studying. Um, about two or three times every year, I say to the team who plan all our gatherings, uh, I want a free week. And uh, I, I don't want to have a whole series of talks that I've got to do. I want to have a free week in which I get to say, you know, this, this is what I think God is laying on my heart for the church at this time. God's speaking to me about this particular thing. And today is a free week. And, you know, every single time I come to the free week, I regret the free week. Every time. It's loads more work. It's loads more pressure. You know, if at least if I know I've got a series and we're teaching through Mark's gospel or, we, or we're doing something on fear or whatever it is, I know what I'm supposed to do and I have an outline for it and, and I've got some kind of parameter. But, but when there's a free week, the whole definition of free is there are no parameters. And so you can teach on anything. And believe me, I've thought about more or less everything this week to, to teach on. I thought about teaching on politics. Ha! Because, you know, we're about to have another election. And, uh, and, I, and I think at some stage I probably need to do that. We probably need to talk about how we as followers of Jesus, followers and livers of the kingdom of God, which subverts and supersedes every political power, how we posture ourselves not just towards political powers and towards God, but towards one another when we disagree. That would be an interesting conversation, wouldn't it? How do we posture ourselves? But I'm not going to teach on that. I thought about teaching about money, and, uh, and, and then I thought very quickly about not doing that. Um, and so what, I just I felt the Lord prompt me to ask this question. So this is really profound, okay? So get your pens ready. How are you doing? That, that's the question. That's it. That, I, I, felt, I felt the Lord say, ask them how they're doing. Ask them how things are going. Ask them whether they're doing well. Ask them whether they're feeling good. Ask them whether they're full of joy. You see, what happens is you get out of Easter, and, and Easter is, I mean, last week was incredible, wasn't it? We got to retell the most incredible story in the history of the world. We got to relive this incredible thing that happened, this incredible event that happened. The Son of God became flesh for us. The Son of God set his face towards the cross for us and died for us. It is finished. It's accomplished. It's all done. And then a dead man walked. <laughs> and he's alive. And because he's alive, the possibilities for our life are totally endless. We can, we can have an identity as sons and daughters of the living God. Isn't that incredible? We, we can be brothers with Jesus Christ, one with Jesus Christ. We can be full of the Holy Spirit. We, can get, we get to live this kingdom which is right now as well as not yet. We, it's, it's, an, it's an incredible thing. But here's, here's the thing that I realize about my life. There are times when it doesn't feel like that. You ever, you ever been there? There are times when it feels like all the air got sucked out of my life. There are times when I doubt even some of the things that we sing. There are times when I think, what, but, but what if, why did, I don't understand. And there are times when I, when I feel insecure, and there are times when I, when I go down, there are times when I come up again, there are times when it doesn't all feel, you are good, good, good. Sometimes it feels like, where are you, you, you. <laughs> if I'm honest, 
So, um, so I just wanted to ask, how, how are you? And I, I wanted to teach from this passage of scripture, which I think helps me. So if only one person gets blessed from this sermon, then I'm all good. Um, but I think it might bless some other people. John's gospel and chapter two, and uh, it's, it's the story of Jesus' first miracle. Now, what you need to understand about John is that John isn't like the rest of the gospel writers. The rest of the gospel writers are, are very fact-orientated. They just want to say it happened this way and it happened like this and it happened in this order. This is how it happened. But John is much more enigmatic. His, he, his desire is to help you know not just how, what happened and how it happened. He wants you to know why. He wants you to understand who God really is. He wants you to understand who we really are in the light of who God is. And this is an incredible uh, narrative that John is telling through his gospel. And so John never talks about miracles. Although actually he, he, he writes about a lot of miracles. He, he talks about signs. He says these miracles are signs of who God is and who we can be. And so this is the first sign. And I think it speaks right to the heart of how you're doing. How are you doing? So let's read together. John's Gospel, chapter 2. On the third, I've lost my glasses as well, so this could be really interesting. I might just make some stuff up here. <laughs> Keep me right. On the third day... There was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited. Don't you love that? I love, this is how you know the Bible is real. Because if they were making it up, they would never put this in, would they? There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus was also invited. It's just a rant. That's, that's, it's going to be a really interesting evening, I think. Um, Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples when the wine ran out. The mother of Jesus said to her, and Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? <laughs> so they say, to Jesus, they say to the mother of Jesus, there's no more wine. And Jesus says, Woman, what does that have to do with me? <laughs> wow. I do sometimes wonder whether... Mary ever smacked Jesus around the head. Don't you speak to me like that. What does that have to do? That's got nothing to do with what I'm going to say either. But Jesus said to her, she says there's no more wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, although the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Let's pray, shall we?
So Lord, we have this audacious belief in our hearts that when the word of God is opened up, you speak to our hearts. So we invite you to speak truth, to challenge things and to change things, to encourage us that we might live, that we might live. So come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes I feel like the wine ran out. Do you ever feel like that? Sometimes I kind of feel like the, the, the wine just ran out. The, 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 there was wine, and now there isn't wine. This, sometimes I feel like this wasn't what I signed up to. Sometimes I feel like this wasn't what I dreamt of when I had in mind what I was going to do with my life. Sometimes I feel like I'm living life in black and white when I'm supposed to live it in color. Sometimes I feel like I shouldn't feel like this. Sometimes I feel like I'm having to fake it. Sometimes I feel like I'm having to work it up. Sometimes I just feel like the wine ran out. Do you? You ever feel like that? You ever feel like maybe it should be better than this? Do you ever feel like by now you should have sorted out your finances? Do you ever feel like by now your relationship should be in in order? Do you ever feel like you you didn't want to live your life like everyone else lives their life and in a way that everyone else chooses, but, but now you find yourself doing exactly the same thing, making the same choices, making the same decisions? You started off passionate about Jesus and now it's, just, it, it, I mean, it's sort of passionate, occasionally passionate, but it becomes a, a weekend affair for, for you. You never wanted to be in the rat race and you find yourself a rat. You thought it would never happen. Have you ever feel like the wine ran out? Jesus, Jesus goes to this wedding at Cana in Galilee. And um, weddings are a huge deal, aren't they? Some of you just got married recently. Put your hand up if you got married in kind of the last year or so. Yeah, weddings are a huge deal. And, and I'm going to be um, an, a grumpy old man and say they're becoming a huger deal and they're looking very expensive from where I'm standing. Do you know, they, they kind of become um, bigger and bigger and bigger deal, don't they? So, so you know, um, you've you got a list and, uh, you know, basically your life goes on hold for like nine months. And you have this list of people that, that, that are on the certain list and people that are on the to-be-deleted list. And then, and then you have the, the, you know, you have the, 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 the piper is booked and the, the confetti is booked and the photographer is booked and the last wedding you went to has the confetti is booked. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> But for the last wedding you went to, you had a Rolls Royce, so you have to better the Rolls Royce, and so you've got to come up with a cart and horses or someone giving you a piggyback or whatever it is, and, and then you have to have something for the guests to do when everyone else is taking pictures, so, so you have a photo booth, and, but someone else had a photo booth, so you have a book as well, and, and there's a whole deal, you've got to hold the whole thing, that's, it's such a huge thing, you spend so much money on these weddings, it's a huge deal, isn't it, it's a huge deal, back in Jesus' day, it was way bigger, this is way bigger. Because back in the day, with very few entertainment opportunities, this was like the big event. And a wedding in Jesus' day would last five, six, sometimes more days. And you would travel because you were related and everyone knew everybody in, in, in Israel, basically, and everyone was related to everybody. It was kind of like Northern Ireland. Kind of, and, <laughs> and, and, and you went, you went, you went to, that was quite funny, wasn't it? You went, you went to Israel and you went to this thing and sometimes people would arrive two or three days earlier because they were related and they wanted their help and it was a huge deal and everyone in the village, everything in the village would stop 
for this wedding and, and dad would be very proud and parade his daughter around the village. We'll actually walk his daughter around the village so everyone could see his daughter who was getting ready for the wedding. And when the wedding was done, the bridegroom would parade the same girl around the village again to say, this is now my... It was a huge, huge thing. And here's the thing, hospitality back in Jesus' day was very holy. Huge. How you did it, how you paid for it how you made sure there was no shame about the way you did it. And the wine had run out. And this was like the biggest faux pas. The wine had run out. You ever feel that? You ever feel that? You ever feel like it should be better? And you, you, you ever feel the shame of that? I mean, I've been walking with Jesus for years and sometimes I just don't feel it. You ever feel that? I want you to notice there is absolutely no hope of you fixing this. Because you've tried, haven't you? You've tried. You've tried often. It feels like two steps forward and two steps back because, because you don't flatline in your Christian life and you don't even upline or whatever that is. You, 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 it's, it's, it's like this and that there is no hope of you fixing this. There's not a pill you can take. There's not a course you can go on to fix this stuff your hope is not you and so they come to Mary not because they think she can fix it but because they think Jesus can fill it not because they think she can fix it but because they think Jesus can fix it maybe he can sort this out we've heard about him there are rumors about him he fills things. He can fix things. He can sort things. He speaks about God as if he is God. Maybe he did make it. Maybe he did commission it. Maybe he can sort it out. I want you to know that if you feel like the wine's run out this evening, the hope is still Jesus. The hope is still Jesus. And let me, let me, before we get into the bulk of this sermon, let me clear up a couple of things. This is not a story about alcohol just to let you know. It just isn't. And the reason I have to say that is because I've heard people preach about alcohol and this, you know, this is, this is either, either against or for, but, but this is not a story about alcohol. That's not why John puts it in the thing. You know, alcohol is, is in, I think, in the economy of God a neutral thing. It can be bad and it can be good. But, but here, this isn't about alcohol. My dad, he was a pastor and he would, he would say to me, Carl, but you know, it wasn't really alcohol. I said, but it says it was wine. He said, no, 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 it was grape juice. I said, no, no, no. He said, well, if it was alcohol, it was only 1%. I said, where'd you get that from? He said, it just feels like that. I said, but dad, 1%, 150 gallons is still quite a lot of alcohol. I, do you know, just with, aside for a second, whatever is going on here, let's not, let's not miss the point. Jesus is throwing a party. That's what's going on. So they've drunk all the wine. And Jesus, seeing that they've drunk all the wine, doesn't order a bunch of Ubers and send them all home and say, well, you've had too much wine, off you go. He turns 150 gallons of water into better wine and gives it to them. But this isn't about wine. It's also not about how you should speak to your mother. <laughs> Although it would be really cool if this was a sermon about speaking to your mother. Woman, what has that got to do with me? <laughs> it's not about that. What it's about is who Jesus is when the wine's run out. 
That's what it's about. It's about who Jesus is when you've kind of worried and you want to give up on Jesus. It's about who Jesus is when you're not sure it all feels great. It's about who Jesus is and what Jesus does when you don't feel like it, when it doesn't seem to work for you. Do you know what? I love this. This story doesn't happen at the worst moment in life. I love that. It doesn't happen when you've come to the end of yourself and you've got nowhere else to go and you're at the end of your rope. Nobody is going to die here. They just have no more wine. I love the fact that Jesus has a miracle, does a miracle here. He, he, his miracle isn't turning something awful into something wonderful. He turns something good into something better. Now listen carefully. It's, it's like I think the Holy Spirit has got some of you here today to say this. You know the God of living water. And that's great. And you know where you stand with the God of living water. But do you know the God of kingdom wine? Do you know the God of abundant wine? Do you know the God of frivolous more? Do you know the God who loves you? The God who wants to bring joy into your life? Do you know the God who wants to make things good for you? Do you you know him? Because that's a game changer. When you understand that God didn't just save you so that one day you can go to heaven. That God wants to give you life in all its fullness. He's the God of abundant life. And I and, and, and know this, this isn't just any old red wine we're talking about. This is a jammy Australian Shiraz. Or, or, or if, maybe that's not your thing. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's a, a, a Napa Valley Cabernet or something. I don't know. But, it's, but what I'm saying is this is the best. This is not bad. This is not, this is not Scott Mid five quid. This is God's stuff. It's his good abundance. But it's not about wine. It's not about wine. Do you know, one of the things I think is that we made this Jesus thing something we just have to survive. We've got to get through this life and then one day hopefully in the blue by and by it's going to be a whole lot better. Because God just wants to give us enough. Enough for our stuff. God's there for our crises. God's there for our problems and our difficulties. And when we finally get to the end of ourselves, we we cry out to him and he's going to somehow rescue us and save us. But that's not the God we read about in the scriptures who, who has more than enough for us, has abundance for us, is a good father who gives good gifts to his children, who loves us and wants us to thrive, not just survive. That's that's what this is about. This is a God of more. You got a great job, good. But you feel a bit empty. Well, he's the answer. You got resources, great. But you feel a bit dry. But well, he's the answer. You got you got some good relationships, fantastic. But you feel as if there must be something more. Yeah. He's the answer. And he's not just the answer, answer for your desperation. <laughs> He's the answer for your joy and your life and your more. I wonder if the wine feels like it ran out. See, notice this. This miracle is is what is called a sign. And, And let's take a look at some of the signs of who Jesus is 
through this passage of scripture. I want you to notice that Jesus is a restorer, a transformer, a purifier, and a bringer of joy. And, 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 and I think that God has set some of you up to hear some of these words. That's why you're here. That's why I've been told to preach this stuff. God wants you to know that he transforms things. You come today and you know you need some stuff transformed. God wants you to know that he's a transformer. The miracle here is weird and amazing. Six stone jars of water for washing for the religious Jews. And what Jesus does is he turns bath water into Barola. He turns bath water into the choicest wine. And the groom is astonished because traditionally you serve the best wine first. You don't serve it last. You serve it. You serve the rubbish wine later when nobody cares anymore because the first wine is the wine that you want to taste and go, this is amazing wine. Here's what I want you to get. God does transformation and he does radical transformation. Half people become whole people in the kingdom of God. Broken people become free people in the kingdom of God. Bound people get their chains released in the kingdom of God. Lost people become found people in the kingdom of God. Sick people become healed people. We've even seen some of it tonight in the kingdom of God. He transforms miraculously. Just this weekend, I had three conversations with different people in this congregation who have had their lives utterly and radically turned upside down in the last year by Jesus. So that happens. It happens all the time because that's the nature of who God is. But I want you to know this. God wants to deal with ordinary, unheralded, regular things too. He's not just hanging out for an amazing miracle. He also wants to do the little things in your life which will become miraculous for you. He wants to transform you. Listen very carefully. Take your religious hats off a moment. This happens in Cana, not in Jerusalem. Cain is a, a small town. It's a, it's a two-bit, no-hope no town. It's a town that nobody knew where it was. It took, it took the scholars 1,800 years to discover where Cana actually was. This isn't like Metropolis. It isn't the center of the world. This is not Jerusalem. This is not the center of, of religious thought. This is a little town, a little village. This is just Cana. And there were six jars, not seven jars. Now, that's, that may sound weird, but, it, but it's really important because the Jews were really big on their numbers, and their numbers meant things. And seven was the number of perfection, and six was less than perfection. That's why 666 is the number of the beast, because it's way less than perfection is the number of evil. There are six jars, not seven jars, which means this isn't perfect, and it's not perfect, which is great because you're not perfect either. And God wants to do a miracle in you. And, and what you've said, and God's heard it, is that, well, it's all right for the people at the heart of society and in the right churches, in the right places, in the right jobs, but it can't happen in Buxton, and it can't happen in Newington, it's not going to happen in a new town, it's not happening on my street, and it's not happening in my job. God's not going to use me. And God, it's all right for the people who've got lots of resources, but God isn't going to use my money and my stuff. It's all right for the people who can stand up front and preach, but God isn't going to use my gift. I'm never going to see anything miraculous happen in my life. And the wedding of Canaan in Galilee is here to tell you that's nonsense. That God is in the business of transforming things and changing 
things. And the moment that you open your hand with what you've got and become a steward of God's stuff rather than an owner of God's stuff and say, I want to I use this thing for the kingdom of God is the moment he starts to use it radically and it becomes miraculous all around you. The moment you start to say, where God has positioned me and placed me in, in my job or in my home is the place of his choosing and I'm supposed to be a priest in this place representing God before people and representing people before God. I have been ordained and commissioned in that place is the moment that he starts to use you powerfully and miracles begin to happen around you because everything is spiritual this isn't spiritual any more than that is spiritual God wants to do incredible things the moment you start to do that the moment you start to say my health is actually really important because his eye is on me and he loves me And he's interested in the details of my life, so I want you to come, Holy Spirit, and I want you to bring healing into my life so that I might not just be a testimony, but I might be a sign of who God is and what God does. Suddenly the ordinary things become the miraculous things. Here's what I want you to get. Jesus wants to take the bath water of your life and turn it into choice wine and make you a sign and what I need to say to some of you who are older here there are about six of you who are older than me I love the fact that there are people that are older than me in the room I'm getting worried that I'm becoming the oldest person in the room but here's the thing I need to tell you if you're older sometimes he leaves the best to last sometimes often he leaves the best to last and so you have no right to say, do you know, I've, I've, I've run my life, I've done my thing, I've been passionate about Jesus, I'm just coasting down the hill, I've no more use for stuff, I'm just to cheer everyone else on. No, 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 no. Sometimes he leaves the best to last. And he has things for you to do and things for you to accomplish and dreams for you to run with and people for you to bless and resources for you to spread out. And you never get to stop running in the spirit until the day he calls you home because he, he leaves the best to last. That was a bit passionate, wasn't it? Second thing I want you to know is that God is a purifier. He's not just a transformer, he's a purifier. Do you know, don't you think Jesus did this intentionally? This wasn't like a, mm, now where am I going to get water from? We need some wine. Or, do you know, why didn't he just make some wine? He didn't need to do this thing. He didn't need to, I mean, this is offensive stuff. He's taken the purification jars of the Jewish religion. It's very intentional. He's taken these gallons of water, he's made them trust, and he's, he's done this thing. This is not Jesus just coming up with something on the spur of the moment. This is incredibly intentional. He's saying this, these jars that have been symbolic of you trying desperately to be right before God for years, every time you wash, every time you eat, every time you bring sacrifice, you're trying to wash so that you might be pure before God. I am perfect purification. I'm giving you a sign, and the sign is this. One day, not too in the distant future, I am going to provide purification for your sins. I'm going to die on a cross, and it's my blood that is going to be shed so that you might be forgiven in all eternity, that you might be set right with God, and you might be justified. You might be saved forever. That's what I'm doing. That's what this is all about. I'm the one who can purify you. 
and change things around you. This is so important because there's one or two of you that have come here today and you've never been free. And you never feel forgiven. You're so desperate to be forgiven because the stuff you've done and the stuff that's been done to you is so awful in your life and you think that you carry shame and you carry guilt and you feel like you can never be free. And Jesus is here tonight and says, I am perfect purification. If you drink of the wine of the kingdom of God, you will be free and you will be clean and you'll be forgiven forever. And, and, and all that striving that's left in your life and all that desperate desire to be right with God, I've left it there so that you come to me and ask the question you need to ask of me, which is, how can I be free? How can I be clean? How can I be right with God? And Jesus is perfect purification. The third thing I want you to realize from this story is that Jesus is the joy bringer. Jesus loves joy. And, that's, and that may not be important to you, but it's really important to me because I grew up in, in, a, in a church culture where we painted Jesus as being pretty miserable. If we're honest, we didn't like to paint him. We, no one set out intentionally to paint Jesus as being pretty miserable, but he was definitely very serious. Jesus always had a scowl on his face. He was, he was always uh, slightly disapproving of anything that actually looked fun. You know, I, I don't know if this, let me tell you, my, my story was there were certain rules you had to obey, obey and you never quite knew what the rules were. So you couldn't do certain things on a Sunday, but you could do other things on a Sunday. So you could go for a walk on a Sunday, but you couldn't go for a walk with a football on a Sunday because somehow Jesus disapproved of the football. But you could kick a stick, but you couldn't kick a football because I, I don't really know, understand that stuff. And what I began to understand was actually it wasn't, that, it, it wasn't that my parents were disapproving. It was that they were worried about my grandparents were disapproving of something that was disapproved of. And, and no one really knows who was disapproving of what. But some, somehow we all thought Jesus was disapproving of something. And we got it all wrong. Haven't we? 150 gallons of water turned into wine. We've got this idea that, that, that created the theology police in our churches, where there was always someone who was making sure that you were sound, and you, you sound, and you got it right, and you, you adhering to the particular theology that I've got in my, in my, my heart, and, and we, we got it all wrong, didn't we? Somehow we painted this picture of Jesus as being disapproving of us, for God's sake, lighten up, church. You know, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of look around sometimes, and I think even us, we've got serious itis. When the preacher's saying something serious, our faces furrow, and we're going to work up some holiness. <laughs> if it kills us to do so, like, come on, we're supposed to live in the joy of the Lord, a lightness in our spirit, a forgiveness of one another thinking the best of one another, not the worst. We're not in competition with anybody else. We're following Jesus, who's the giver of life. Robert Louis Stevenson once wrote in his diary, I went to church today, and I am not depressed. <laughs> you love that? 
Jesus is restoring joy. He's, he's as much with you on the beach on Saturday morning as he is in the church on Sunday evening. He's as delighted with you when you spend money on a dress in George Street as he is when you raise your hands in worship because it's all worship to him if it's done in the right spirit. He loves it when you have a party in the same way as he loves it when you pogo. He loves it when you get on your face in worship. He loves it when you pray in the corner. He loves it when you enjoy the joy of the Lord, when you sit with friends and enjoy a party. He loves it. He's not compartmentalized life like we've compartmentalized life. He loves it when you play sport. He loves it when you spend money with the right intentions. He's bringing joy back. He's bringing joy back. And what you need to know is this. Religion can't fix you. Religion can't fix you. It won't work. That's what the stone jars are about. Religion just didn't work. It wasn't fixing stuff. It was there with a good intention, but Jesus takes these jars, he takes the ritual water, and he changes it into something that won't solve the ritual process. He says, I'm doing something completely different that's going to change everything forever. It's in my blood. It's not about water. And suddenly all the metaphors have changed, but you kind of understand Jesus is saying, hey, look, where the containers restrict you as far as living the life of the kingdom of God change the whole game. Stop being restricted by things that you have made up that are not in the word of God and suck the life out of you and start living with freedom the truths of God and who he's called us to be. God is bringing joy back. wonder what you do when your wines run out. What do you do when the wines run out? Look, something interesting happens in Jesus' interaction with his mother that isn't about being rude to her. Something interesting happens. They come to her and they say there's a problem, the wines run out. And they're expecting a solution. She sends them to Jesus. She doesn't try and fix it. She doesn't try and say, well, have you, have you gone down to Obbins? Can you get some delivery? Or, 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 or you know, so no one got a stash back home, homebrew or something. She doesn't, she doesn't try and fix it. She just sends them to Jesus. He's got the answer. You can't fix this. You can't, you can't fix this two steps forward, two steps back thing. You can't, you can't fix this dry thing. You can't fix this there must be more thing. You can't fix this I need forgiveness thing. You can't fix it. You know, particularly if you're a guy here today, that, that's the predisposition of our lives, isn't it? Someone, particularly the women in our lives, come to us and just want us to listen and we try and fix it. Let me fix it. I want to help if I can fix it. You, you can't fix it. You just got to go to Jesus. He's the only one that can heal it. He's the only one that can purify it. He's the only one that can transform it. He's the only one that can take the feeling away. He's the only one that can change your status in life. He's the only one that can live this life. None of us can. She says, take it to Jesus. And then, look, 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 she says, do whatever he tells you to do. This is really important. Do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you. What's, what's Jesus told you to do? 
You want the wine not to run out? Do whatever he tells you to do. You want to feel full of the joy of the Lord, full of the Holy Spirit, full of life? Do, do whatever, ever he tells you to do. Don't rationalize it. Don't say, yeah, but this, and yeah, but I can't do that, or yeah, but I can't move here, or yeah, but I can't give my money like that, yeah, but I can't open my life like this. No, no, no. Do whatever he nudges you, prompts you to do. Do, do you know, here's the thing. I want to do whatever Jesus tells me to do as long as I want to do it. Don't you feel like that? I feel like that. I, I want to do whatever Jesus tells me to do as long as I already decided I wanted to do it. If it's something I don't want to do, then I find that really difficult because that involves faith, risk, that involves changing my mind, that involves him being Lord and me not being Lord. That involves me getting on the cross, him getting on the throne. I don't like that because I feel out of control. But if you want the wine of the kingdom of God, the joy of life, the wonder of knowing forgiveness and freedom, then take it to Jesus and do whatever he tells you to do, unquestioning obedience to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's love. That's love. So how are you doing? How are you feeling? Does anyone want to? Thanks, Gary. Gary's in a good place. Does anyone, anyone fancy transformation? Does anyone want purification? Does anyone want free tonight? Does anyone want to find Jesus tonight? Find hope tonight? Does anyone want more joy in their life? Live, you don't need any more joy. <laughs> Way too much joy. Does anyone want more joy in their life, really? I don't mean, joy is not some kind of superficial thing that we all get whoop, 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 and we start dancing. That's not joy. It, can, it could be joy if that's the way God made you. Joy is the inner grin of God. You know, it's the kind of, I know, I, I know that my Redeemer lives. And, and although this world is a mess, he's still on the throne and he's still working his purposes out and it's going to be okay. That's joy. The joy. Anyone want more joy? Let's pray, shall we? Mm. Thank you, God. So the Holy Spirit is here. Jesus tells this story um, when his disciples ask him about prayer. And they say, Jesus teaches how to pray, and he starts teaching them how to pray, and then he says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For he who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and the one who knocks enters a relationship with God and then he starts having this conversation and says for which of you fathers if your child asks you for good things gives them evil things none of you none of you if you're a good father and then he says how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Anyone want more joy? 
Anyone want more freedom? Anyone want more forgiveness? Well, ask him. And I'll tell you what he'll give you. He'll give you the Holy Spirit. In abundance. In overflow. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. And I pray that all over this room, you would answer, Father, your children's prayers for more. They're not selfish prayers. They're honest prayers of children who just want more of your good stuff, more of your life, more of your kingdom, more of your joy, more of an experience of God. Come, Holy Spirit.